Hello, and welcome to On Your Left, a politics podcast that's probably to your left. My name is Katrina Ames, and I use she, them pronouns. I'm Neroli Sheth. I use she, her pronouns. We're in your podcast feeds every Wednesday, uh, so, you know, if you like some regularity, if you like um, two queer Asian Americans in your ears, and you think other people would... Share the love. You know, tell other people about the podcast. Yeah, share the love, share the podcast. Share the link to our Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. If enough of you support us, I could buy a computer that doesn't sound like this all of the time for no reason. Just the <sighs> sound. Oh, they can hear it. Mm-hmm. I know they can. Yeah, I I was just I was just matching that pitch that that I can hear in my it's headphones. It's beautiful. It's it's great. It's music, but it's music we don't want to hear right now. <laughs> Get Katrina a new computer, two K two one. Let's do it. Moving on to, I guess the podcast, <laughs> which is basically all bad news. Yeah. I'd apologize for that, but it's not our fault. Let's start with COVID updates. Yes, with COVID updates. um, As of recording this, the CDC has reported that 38.3 million people have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine, including 14.1 million people who have been fully vaccinated, which is a pretty high number. Like, not as high as I want it to be, because there are a lot more people who need to be vaccinated, including the two of us. But um, those are numbers that are higher than they were before, which is good. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, uh, This isn't a large increase from last week, uh, largely because of recent snowstorms and bad weather have delayed the delivery of vaccines to several states. Um, mm-hmm. including Texas, which we'll be talking about later. Yeah. Um, a couple of my family members had to reschedule their second doses and stuff, and it wasn't great, but um, not as bad as it could be. Um, however, uh, as of recording, there have now been over half a million deaths in the United States after contracting COVID-19 which is way too many people that shouldn't have had to die. One city with about 500,000 people in it is Atlanta, Georgia. Um, 500,000 people have died. It's like that entire city being wiped out. Um, it's like, or the entire city of Kansas City, uh, or all of Colorado Springs, and then some. There are so many people who have just been lost and it is now such a large number that I can no longer conceptualize it and also I'm really sick of having to do these like milestone updates every couple of weeks uh we are not holding it together it is not going well yeah it's not good (laughs) um Speaking of uh, statistics, 
in addition to a an entire American city like Atlanta, more Americans have died from COVID-19 than on the battlefields of World War One, World War Two, and the Vietnam War combined. Three war, war yeah, three wars. And this is this is more death than any other country has experienced. Um, and it's largely our own faults for not being willing to listen to scientists for so long or to listen to public health officials. Um, it's just awful, though, that so many people have had to experience this loss, um, that they've had to lose loved ones, that they've had to get the virus and survive, but um, with a lot of awful uh, continuing effects for a lot of people. And um, although I am, you know, heartbroken about the people who died, I think it's important to also note that a lot of people survived, but will never be the same again. Yeah, I have a relative who got COVID who um, worked out every single day and now gets winded extremely easily. And it's bizarre to see because she she's usually so physically fit and it yeah it people's lives will never be the same and yeah i don't know what else to say about that because it's just so terrible well let's talk about other terrible things (laughs) that are happening in america um so i don't know if you've heard about this thing called a polar vortex we just experienced one extreme weather event. Um, Texas, along with most of the continental United States, has been hit with a major snowstorm. Um, mine's been coming in bits, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm from the mid-Atlantic. We're kind of used to snowstorms. Texas isn't. Um, with Texas's uh, power being primarily run by deregulated utility companies. The majority of the state has gone without power during a blizzard, and uh, Texans have been hit extremely hard by this storm. People's homes have been destroyed. People's pipes have burst. Uh, People have gone without heat, without hot water, without clean water. It's bad. Yes, um... Although the electric grid is coming back on and people are able to access power again, um, although at sometimes extremely high prices that are unconscionable Mm -hmm. under any circumstances, um, there are still food shortages and shortages of clean water. So uh, let's talk about why things are so bad in Texas, because this is something that a lot of international friends have been asking me um or friends that live mostly in the northern states uh, because why can't texas handle this winter storm when texas is a part of the united states that regularly deals with winter storms the country's just really big Mm -hmm. guys yeah that's it's so yeah, big. part of it and is that just uh, Texas doesn't usually get snowstorms. If they get snow, it's very light. They don't need the 
equipment that northern states have, like uh, plow trucks and I don't know what those trucks are that disperse salt before snowstorms. Oh, they're just called salt trucks. The salt trucks. trucks, yes. I was going to say, like, dispersers of salt, but that felt wrong. Salt trucks. <laughs> but, like, Texas doesn't usually need those, um, so they were unprepared because they... Why would they have those? Like... Yes. So part of it is that. But the other part is the bad stuff. Not having enough equipment to deal with this emergency is certainly a problem and contributed to the worsening crisis. Uh, but to some extent, that's expected. You're going to buy fewer snowplows if you live in Texas than if you live in New York. Mm-hmm. That's just the thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the reason things are bad in Texas, we're going to have to go back to a time long, long ago. Punk rock was just coming on the scene. Everyone was worried about Y2K. And I was ador- an adorable child, very proud of the fact that I could read Mary-Kate and Olsen chapter books. That's right, it's 1999. Oh, wait, did you read the Trenchcoat Twins? Oh, I read so many of them. How did we? How have we not discussed the Trenchcoat Twins and how iconic they were? That is a future episode of this podcast. I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, so in 1999, Texas decided to deregulate their electric grid. In doing so, they basically made their whole electric grid private handing control of the state's entire electric delivery system to a market-based patchwork of private generators, transmission companies, and energy retailers. And because the grid is private and cut off from the rest of the country, it doesn't really fall under federal regulation either, and it limits Texas's ability to get energy from the surrounding states. Yeah, so, like, Texas made it really hard to... really hard for other states to help Texas. Which is just, that's a choice they made. It was the 90s. Many people, I'm sure. George W. Bush was the governor. I mean. Oh, God. Oh, God. He was. Mistakes were Two years later, he would become the president of the United States. Um, (laughs) Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. Um, Yeah. And with so many private companies competing in the free market and trying to increase profits, there was very little incentive to invest in weather protection and maintenance. We should say Texas isn't like unique. It is by and far the largest energy producer of several types of energy. Um, But we have all of these things over the rest of the country. Of the two states I have lived in are the two things that have been uh, blamed, shall we say, for this crisis. I live in Pennsylvania currently, and it is the Second, it is the state that comes in second in being the highest natural gas producer behind Texas and regularly experiences extreme winter weather. And we do not see these kinds of outages because we weatherize our, um, we invest in weather protection and maintenance throughout the year. Another state I've lived in, Iowa, is the second highest wind energy producer behind Texas. Texas makes a lot of energy. But Iowa also regularly experiences extreme winter weather, uh, like the polar vortex we saw two years ago. Um, And they 
produce a lot of wind energy, but they have prepared their wind turbines with de-icers and can operate them during the winter. Um, so it's not just, you know, natural gas production failing or just winter energy failing or the Green New Deal that hasn't even happened <laughs> yet has magically come to Texas God. and destroyed everything. Mm. All of Texas's energy system failed. By and large, most of their energy comes from natural gas. So yes, the natural gas system failed. And yes, the wind turbine fails. But it was really a failure of everyone to prepare for winter and winterization protection after we've asked them to for over a decade. Yeah, we we knew climate change was coming. It's not like we didn't. We also... I don't know, a few weeks in advance knew that this very specific storm was coming because, you know, weather people exist. Um, there were ways to prepare and they chose not to because they wanted to limit spending to increase profits. Yeah. Um, I should say Texas also doesn't generally carry a reserve of energy for extreme weather events uh it texas almost regularly um experiences their grid going uh, offline or risking going offline during the summers when everybody is blasting their air conditioning because it's texas <laughs> like texas doesn't have any reserve power because it's not regulated even though it is recommended to have some power reserves on hand just in case you need to create more energy in extreme events. Just in case people need heat because of a storm. Um, yeah, and this is 10 years after a heavy snowstorm in February of 2011, back when we were all listening to early Kesha, caused statewide rolling blackouts and left millions of Texans in the dark, just like now. And... Um, federal authorities warned the state that its power infrastructure had inadequate winterization protection. Yeah, like, they were told that this was a problem 10 years ago, and they dealt with the consequences of the problem then, which is everyone's power going out, and just chose not to fix it. Yeah. Uh, pipelines still aren't adequately insulated heaters aren't installed that would have kept instruments from freezing over uh, like just electric wires to transport energy within the texas grid are not insulated there were several opportunities that several companies could have taken or the government could have regulated that would have lessened this crisis <laughs> and none of them were but done. katrina the free market all of these companies competing it makes it makes these companies better <laughs> i can't even i can't even get can't even i can't even get through the bit because it's just like this is a these are human necessities people need shelter people need water and they're not getting it and and i guarantee you if had a just one company just one company winterized their gear sufficiently and were able to provide their customers with 
a regular power supply and uh, safe protections, then I would, then the free market would have been a great argument because the free market took care of this and obviously everybody would switch over to that power company provider. Mm -hmm. Because they're giving better service. But instead, the free market was a race to the lowest common, the lowest possible amount of service they could give. Yeah. And now people whose powers didn't go out and had the heat running so they could survive uh, or provide uh, for their neighbors whose powers Mm -hmm. did go out, who invited people in um, to their homes to try and protect as many people and community members as they could, are getting bills for thousands of dollars for just this like first week of an emergency that is ongoing yeah yeah um the new york times reported about someone who got a sixteen thousand dollar bill um which is horrifying um aren't most americans like five hundred dollars away from like a five hundred dollar emergency away from being broke, isn't that the statistic? Yeah. yeah. Not only that, uh, but a yearly salary uh, under a minimum wage job is less than that bill. What's minimum wage in Texas? Let's assume it's the federal minimum wage because it's Texas. Yeah. But uh, if you are making the Federal minimum wage, $7.25. Your annual salary would be $15,080. Yeah, it is the same, by the way. Uh, Yeah, less than that one electricity bill. And price gouging during an emergency should be illegal. I mean, we saw this when the pandemic first started and people were price gouging hand sanitizer and the the federal government put a stop to it. Like because it's supposed to, but because these energy companies cannot be regulated by the federal government, they can just get away with it, I guess. Um, (laughs) it was also really hard to see photos of cities, um, with the downtown lit up during the blackouts, but all of the surrounding inner city neighborhoods in the dark, Mm -hmm. um, because somehow even a blackout is unequal. And I hate our society so much because we're just- because willing it's literally because wealthy areas can pay more for electric that the that they can keep their electricity and poor communities lower income communities cannot which i mean lower income communities have more people of color than the wealthier communities just by the nature of American history. Um, so uh, the people hardest hit are people who don't have as much money, cannot survive this, um, and are just being sc- 
screwed over left and right by America. I don't know how else to put that. Um, and yeah, the death toll for this extreme weather event um, hasn't been finalized yet. They are still reporting on bodies being found um, and um, some things that were caused by the blackouts and lack of heat um, and so many other things are still being found and will likely still be reported on for the next few days. But as of right now, over 50 deaths have been reported linked to these power blackouts, uh, linked to this one winter storm Mm -hmm. that we could have prepared for. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about people who need electricity to survive, not just because they need heat, but because they need oxygen tanks and other life-saving electric things. (laughs) Ah, God. It's just horrifying. Yeah. Um, It's just wrong. I feel like a lot of our leaders have let us down over the past year um, in so many events with the pandemic, with the recent coup with really just going to Cancun. I mean, <laughs> it's all one guy, but he's really disappointed. Yeah. Me. So, um, Senator and inciter of treason, Ted Cruz decided it was an excellent opportunity to flee to the very place he wanted to build a wall against Mexico and vacation in a Cancun resort with his family. But then someone posted a picture on Twitter. And he went viral. He became Flying Ted. And he had to return to Uh, his constituents the next day and issue a bizarre statement in, in which he blamed his children and, um... Was just trying to be a good dad. Disgusting. Yeah, he was trying trying to be a good dad by flying his kids to Mexico and then coming back um, without them. Just like, hey, honey, I'm just going to go drop the kids off to Mexico. <laughs> and not even the, the part of Mexico that's attached to Texas. No, 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 no. The the part of Mexico that you have to fly to. He was flying in a pandemic. For funsies. While the people he was meant to serve were going without power, were dying, still are still suffering. I just, I, uh, God. Ted, Ted, oh, Ted Cruz. He was so close to losing in 2018. So close. Um, And honestly, I just feel kind of embarrassed. Um, I feel embarrassed for a lot of reasons. But uh, just now, I googled the word family members Ted Cruz threw under the bus. (laughs) And there are so many results from his own kids 
to his wife, to his dad. Yeah. And I'm, don't, I don't know how you have a family still, sir. Like, I get that your wife might also be a bad person because she sh- texted, she texted the group chat <laughs> with your neighbors, inviting them on a canned oh, vacation. I have a few group and- chats. They're with, they're with people I trust, people I really love. And um, I don't, th- I Katrina, would you ever leak our texts? No. <laughs> Cause, cause we like each I other. I mean, sometimes I show them to Victor, yeah. cause they're hilarious. Yeah, but like, would, you, but we would, but, but like, imagine the kind of friendship you have to have with someone to think that that you're a you're you're go you're secretly inviting them to a cool vacation and, and then they tell the New York Times the next day. Yeah, that is a private text. You send that one on one. Just in case someone's not down. It's just so funny. You don't send incriminating evidence to the group chat. No, but... That's not what we but do. But, like, I I trust my group chats um, to not leak like things I'm... to the New York Times. I mean, I also haven't, you know, attempted to flee to Mexico to um, end my responsibility to, the, to my people. Um... <laughs> but I'm just like, what kind of friends do you have, Ted Cruz? What kind of person are you to make these kinds of friends that would just drop of a hat? Here you go, New York Times. Here's a screenshot. Here are screenshots of our group text. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of Ted Cruz's neighborhood kind of thinks that Heidi is fine. Mm-hmm. But Ted's not invited. They only throw parties when he's in Washington. This reminds me kind of, of the time I was working at the bookstore, and um, I was checking someone out. Uh, and the next person walks up, and she points to the person who's leaving the store who I just checked out, and goes, "You know that was Megan Kelly, right?" And um, you can see my face right now. You can see that my face holds a lot of emotion. I can't really control it. Um, So you can imagine my face when that person said that. And then that person goes, oh, my kids go to the same school as her kids. And, you know, they're, they're good people. And I'm like, and I literally said, I'm sure her kids are great. Have a nice day. Goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) Because... I'm sure her kids are great. I'm sure Ted Cruz's kids are just children living their lives. Yeah. They're like 10 years old. Yeah. I mean, they're... Worst case scenario, they're kids who asked if they could go to Mexico tomorrow. (laughs) But, like, their parents caved in and did it. So it's kind of, once again, on Ted Cruz. Who... If I, if I, if I was, when I was 10 years old, I wouldn't dare ask my parents that because they'd be like, what are you, you want to go to, go to a beach resort tomorrow? Do you live in La La Land? (laughs) When I was 10, 
I asked for a comic book and my dad said no because it was beneath my reading level. As it turned out, it was a very mature themed comic looking back on it and I did not know that. But like, I would never have the audacity to ask to go to Mexico. Can you imagine your par- your like your parents agreeing? Either of them? No. Like, <laughs> I'm just I'm just baffled by the whole situation. So then he uses he uses government resources too for this whole thing. He uses police escorts back and forth for this whole thing. Yeah. So it's not like he's like freeing up resources by not being there as Dinesh D'Souza just literal human garbage God. has said and i'm just i've seen a constituent services um office in like full speed during an emergency reaching out and trying to help as many people mm-hmm. as possible and ted cruz could have been there and helped ted cruz could have leveraged his connections with all of his wealthy donors he could have worked to organize food drives uh, like the Castro Mm -hmm. brothers did. He could have raised money like AOC. He could have gone door to door doing wellness checks like Beto O'Rourke. He could have done so much. And like, and instead he ran away. I talk a lot of, I talk so much shit about Chris Christie because Chris Christie is literal human garbage, but you know what? He got the damn federal aid for New Jersey during Hurricane Sandy. And Ted Cruz hasn't done shit. Not even a little bit. <laughs> and, like, I'm not really... I don't really mean to praise, like, AOC or Battle Mm-mm. Work or the Castro Brothers yeah. either. I like all of them, and I think they did a good yeah. thing. But the fact that they had to do it is a sign that our system has completely failed in Texas. Yeah, like, like the Castros and AOC especially, right now they're part of the system. They're working in government, and they still have to do this extra thing because the system isn't working. They have to go out of their way to fundraise, to do wellness checks, to, to get resources to the people who need them. Because the system isn't working. Yeah. And it's sad. Honestly, I'm so glad that they did it. I'm glad for everyone who has reached out and taken the time to help and has used their power or their connections to be there in an emergency. But we, we need to do more. We need to prevent the next emergency from happening Mm -hmm. by winterizing texas's energy grid for example and uh i'd rather see that get done and yes that's probably up to the texas state legislature but uh, which again is i kind of feel like deeply gerrymandered deeply gerrymandered but i think if uh it's not done at the state level there should be a federal investigation yeah because millions of your citizens going without power without having access to clean water without having reliable shelter dying because they couldn't melt enough snow no this is that's this is criminal negligence it 
It's just allowing people to suffer and die because you just didn't feel like doing the right thing. When it's your job to do the right thing for those people. Yeah. And I feel like uh, we're very much so in the why it's important section already. Mm-hmm. But like, this is going to happen again. Uh, over the last few years, we've seen a lot of the effects of climate change. We've seen natural disasters. We've seen hurricanes, wildfires, and blizzards in places that are not equipped to deal with these natural disasters. And they have been just ravaging the country and the world and we cannot reverse all of the effects of climate change but we can work to limit to limit its impact through creating a green infrastructure uh, investing in renewable energy once again just winterizing the energy grid and doing other things to prepare for the emergencies that we know are to come but we need to start that work like a decade ago Mm -hmm. but at the very least we need to do something now and we need to do way more of it if we want to protect people in the future yes um and you know the bare minimum would be just winterizing all of the all of the you know things that give you energy in texas (laughs) like that that is one small thing that would have just helped so much it would have helped so many people it would have limited the impact on people um yeah it's bad i mean it'd still be cold but at least people would have had power yeah people would have been able to you know have hot water (laughs) um but it's also important to remember that the reason why Ted Cruz and other Republicans in Texas are still in power isn't necessarily because Texans voted for them. Yes, a lot of them did, but it's not just because of that. It's because of the gerrymandering and voter suppression. And, like, the gerrymandered maps are so bad in Texas. I don't understand how they passed muster, but um, they did. And because partisan gerrymandering is illegal. Yeah. Um, so please don't blame people suffering for this. Don't say, like, oh, that's what you get for voting red. Don't say those things to people who are suffering. Because this is not their fault. This is the fault of the people in pl- power. Blame Governor Greg Abbott, who has yet to, like say much of anything um yeah blame ted cruz who just ran away from his responsibilities at the first at like the first sign of trouble um blame the people in power who made it possible for people's votes to be suppressed for people for their partisan gerrymandering to make it extremely difficult for people to vote um, and for their votes to count. Don't blame the people of Texas for this. Yeah. Um, like, there are several reasons to do it, partially because of the recognition of the unjust systems of Texas and how difficult they make it to vote, mm-hmm. um, and how these people have maintained power over, uh, 
places, uh, partially because black and Latinx communities have been hit hardest, because low-income communities have been hit hardest, and sure, they're more likely to vote with us and be in line with our values, but that's because these bad people keep throwing them under the bus. And honestly, I don't care uh, in an emergency who someone's voted for. I care about the fact that there's an emergency happening and I don't like the people that are saying, well, that's what they get for voting for Republicans because who on earth is cares about that? Why is that your first instinct when people are hurting? Because first of all, that's a terrible thing to do to throw people under the bus because they're mm-hmm. wrong. Um, uh, but secondly, why on earth would they want to vote for Democrats if Democrats don't even want to help in an emergency because they voted for Republicans? This is not a partisan issue. Climate change isn't a partisan issue. The weather isn't a partisan issue. We need to help people when they need help. That is the right thing to do, and that's why we do it. And if that's not a good enough reason to you, maybe once you help those people, like, they might realize who's who are the real people helping and vote for them. Yeah, and if you want to make it, it partisan, show up like, to help. <laughs> I mean, Mr. Rogers always says, look for the helpers, right? This is this is our time to be the helpers because the people who are supposed to help are running away. Yeah. Look for the helpers is advice for children who shouldn't endanger themselves. We are adults who have some resources or some connections or some ability to help right now. We should do that. So, how can we act, Katrina? Okay. Um, First of all, if you have the funds, if you can donate, you can support Texans. Uh, A lot of people's homes were destroyed. People have gone without clean waters. A lot of people are struggling to find a safe place to shelter. Uh, You can donate to local mutual aids, GoFundMes. Um, Personally, I... uh, Sorry, let me double check on the name. Uh, I have a friend that works at Austin Pets Alive, which is currently asking for donations because they are taking on a lot of um, uh, pets or a lot of animals from other shelters uh, that were just completely destroyed by the uh, storm and by the lack of resources right now. If you can donate... Please donate if you were in part of the country that wasn't as badly hit. If you have the extra money that you do not need, do not put yourself in financial danger by donating. <laughs> but if you have it, donate. Yeah, a little bit can go a long way right now. Um, um, and another thing you can do if you don't have the funds is uh, do the thing we always ask you to do, which is be annoying. And call, text, email uh, your legislators to support the Green New Deal and any other um, bills that pop up that are 
helping with climate change and helping people and all sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, someone last week told me to cyber bully my representatives. And let me tell you, that was, that was great, great advice. advice right there. Cyberbullying sometimes Let's, works. Yeah. If they're doing a bad job, let everyone know about mm-hmm. it. We cyberbullied Ted Cruz into going back to Texas, yeah. and we can do it um, again. There was a, a pastor of a megachurch who, during Hurricane Harvey, refused to open his doors to people, and he got cyberbullied. And then during this storm, the church was open to, for shelter because he got cyberbullied. Cyberbullying works. Um, yeah, it's not working much on my governor, um, who uh, we voted to legalize marijuana, and he hasn't passed the bill to legalize marijuana yet. So we're, people have been cyberbullying him. Hasn't worked yet, but hopefully soon. Um, and the last thing you can do to help is, um, of course, double mask. Use hand sanitizer. Stay home if you can. If you can't, stay six feet apart from other people. Do all of the things. The best thing you can do is survive. So do your best to do that. Just try to survive and keep the people around you safe. I do have a quick story just to transition us into good news. Uh... So I have not been outside for quite quite a while until yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, partially because, you know, we went grocery shopping like a month ago. We didn't need that much. And partially because the winter storms here were pretty bad. and It wasn't safe to yeah. go out for more than usual. But yesterday, yesterday, we decided to go to a grocery store, not our usual grocery store, but a nice one in a wealthy neighborhood. And it was amazing. I had such a good time. We wore, we double masks. We had hand sanitizer in the car so we could apply before and after the trip. There was an Asian food aisle and then right next to it was an Indian food aisle. There was so much. Amazing. Oh, that's so nice. I just, I've, it was the nicest, it, Rich people just live like this all the time. That's just a normal grocery store to them. It's beautiful. (laughs) Food truly is beautiful. Asian food especially. The fact that there's a whole aisle of Asian food. I've never seen that. Wow. It's amazing. Um, uh, What... Uh, we have a couple other pieces of good mm-hmm. news, not related really to the pandemic. Um, so, uh, Narali, what what is your thing? So, my thing is that Yardi Gras was pretty cool. So, um, a lot of you know what Mardi Gras is. It's uh, um, the day before Lent, and um, in New Orleans, it's usually a massive, massive celebration with parade floats and everything, and this year, of course, with the pandemic, um, they couldn't really do Mardi Gras as usual. So instead, people did Yardi Gras, in which they um, 
created fun Mardi Gras themed art installations um, and put them on their in their front yards or on their porches or balconies. Um, and uh, so that happened in New Orleans, but also kind of happened all over the country. Everyone was celebrating and it was just it's just really cool. If you look up Yardi Gras photos, people are great artists. It's just so fun. Um, and it's it, like, what a way to make a good thing out of a bad thing, out of a really terrible situation. Yeah, I really feel like this year has taught me the value of public art. Mm -hmm. uh, from people putting teddy bears in their windows for little kids to see, to making fun signs, thinking postal workers, to uh, lovely encouragements to get out and vote. Now we have like Yardi Gras with like sculpture and color and vibrancy. And I hope that we don't lose the sense of community and uh, togetherness that we've developed over the past year. Yeah. It's, it's just so nice to see. Um, yeah, really lovely. And your, your, your good thing is also very lovely. Yes, so this is about the country of New Zealand. A country that's really doing a lot of things right. COVID, they handled it. Uh, guns, they were willing to give them up relatively easily. It was really surprising. Period products, now free. New Zealand schools are offering free period products to their students which will go great towards national period equity and menstrual equity to ensure that no child is missing school because they're bleeding through their pants. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, people knowing you have your period, while it shouldn't be, when you're a middle schooler and people realize that you have your period, it's not fun. It's not fun. Uh, and yeah. in the United States and globally, children regularly miss school because they cannot afford hygiene mm -mm. products for their periods. And, like, that just stinks. This is a normal health thing, and it shouldn't be interfering with a child's education when the solution of offering free period products and free hygiene products is right there. It's right there. And it would help so many people. Yeah. So thank you, New Zealand. Thank you, New Zealand, for setting a good example. Again. Again. Yeah. Um, I added one last good thing that I almost forgot about. Um, and then I remembered and I got happy. Um, this is a little bit of um, good news that, like, is mean good news. But it makes me happy. Um and it's that uh, the uh, conservative radio talk show host, um, Rush Limbaugh, is no longer with us. And that is nice because he was a bad person. He was yeah. very bad. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of people this week being like, don't speak ill of the dead in response to just quoting things Rush Limbaugh has said. <laughs> and uh, if if just 
giving a biography of someone's life, of just saying direct quotes from less than a year ago, mind you, uh, is speaking ill of the dead. I mean, maybe, maybe it's okay to speak ill of the dead. Yeah. Uh, honesty is okay. Um, also, if he didn't want us to speak ill of him, maybe he shouldn't have celebrated when someone died of AIDS. Which he did live on his show to his millions of listeners in America. So. Uh, he did that. Uh, he was uh, hateful, homophobic, racist. He famously, uh, after Eric Garner said, he said that he can breathe fine. Um, and then lung cancer got him. So. He was also just in denial about the fact that, like, smoking causes cancer. Weird hill uh, to die on, literally. <laughs> AIDS. So, yes, uh, I do think that Rush Limbaugh dying is a net good for, like, the world and society. I desperately hope his listeners find something that is more productive, more wholesome, less hateful to listen to. I don't know, maybe try, like, Welcome to Night Vale or something. That's rad. Uh, listen to our podcast instead. <laughs> that would be a, a complete <laughs> shift for them. Um, I don't know. Maybe listen to... Um, maybe just listen to music for a little bit instead. You know, yeah. FM radio also exists. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully... My hope is that with him dying, a lot of people will become de-radicalized mm -hmm. uh, and just generally less extreme. And to a certain extent, I'm kind of, like, okay with them still holding some of their beliefs if they aren't so, you know, hateful and willing to promote evil. Yeah. <laughs> Only some of them. Some of their beliefs are just being yeah. evil. But like, it's like it's like one step back from the level they're at is not is isn't that good. <laughs> yeah. One step away from evil is one step towards a neutral zone, and then there's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we gotta find that medium. Place. I don't. I don't think it exists, but um. I, I mean, more medium than we're we're there yeah. at. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's complicated, but um, yeah, I think it's good that this person is no longer with us. Um, should we do our mango fact? Yeah, what is our mango fact this week, Narali? Haha, <laughs> there is no mango fact. It. I've been tricked. <laughs> it's a mango poem. Um, I'm going to, um, continue the good vibes that I've gotten from the Project for Awesome this past week, um, and do a John Green and read Mary Oliver. So I'm going to be reading The Mango by Mary Oliver, which was written in 1986, if the Poetry Foundation is to be believed. One evening, I met the mango. At first, there were four or five of them in a bowl. They looked like the stones you find in the rivers of Pennsylvania when the waters are low. That size, and almost round, mossy green, 
But this was a rich house, and clever too. After salmon and salads, mangoes for everyone appeared on blue plates, and each one cut in half and scored, and shoved forward from its rind, like an orange flower, cubist and juicy. When I began to eat, things happened. All through the sweetness I heard voices, men and women talking about something, another country, and trouble. It wasn't my language, but I understood enough. Jungles and death, the ships leaving the harbors, their holds filled with mangoes. Children brushing the flies away from their hot faces as they worked in the fields. Men and guns. The voices all ran together so that I tasted them in the taste of the mango, a sharp gravel in the flesh. Later in the kitchen, I saw the stones, like torn-out tongues, embedded in the honeyed centers. They were talking among themselves, family news, new lines of a song. For a last comfort. It was a long evening. There was music, brandy, snapshots of China. Things wound themselves together the way they always do. Health, art, profit, where to travel for the best weather, where to buy the cheapest, the best, and sweetest of anything. And we all said goodbye and kissed on the black lawn like strangers. I loved that so much. I feel like that really told me a lot about mangoes and colonization. Yeah. And now I want a snack. (laughs) But before I leave for a snack, if you want to hang out with us throughout the week, you can find me at Katrina Ames on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitch. Where can we find you, Norali? Uh, You can find me at Firewood Sparkler in all those same places. And you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod or our bookshop page, which is bookshop.org slash shop slash on your left pod. This has been the On Your Left, all about the Texas polar vortex. Have a great week. Bye, everyone.